Blog Talk Radio. Evening, everybody. Welcome to Reaching Out Radio International, where we are working together in one mind, in one accord, in love and unity, being led by the Holy Spirit, sharing the gospel into the world. I am host evangelist Montel Fields and the founder of Reaching Out Radio International, and I consider it such a blessing and an honor that God allows me to have such an amazing platform to work with so many amazing men and women sharing their ministries and their talents and the gospel into the world. And tonight I'm so excited to welcome on a new amazing man of God and the message that he's allowing me to share tonight is titled It's All About the Oil and it's such a needed message right now and I could truly hear the urgency as the spirit led in this message and I know that the message tonight by Matthew Nicholson is just going to bless you I want to kick off with some prayer and then you're going to share in some worship music and I just want to glorify you God Father I just lift this broadcast up to you tonight Father God and ask your God that you have your way in it Father God Lord, Father, God, I just pray, dear God, as I share this message tonight, dear God, that my brother's powerful anointed word will be planted in hearts in good soil that are ready to receive this word, that it could grow and bear good fruits, dear God. Lord, I pray, dear God, that you just take the message out among the airways into new places, dear God. And Lord, just help us to expand, to branch out for Jesus, God, for we want to hear of people being healed, delivered, and set free, and most of all, saved, Father God. And there's so much importance in this word tonight, Father God. And Father God, I pray that if people don't know you, as this message goes out tonight, Father God, that they will receive Jesus as their personal Savior. Guard the airways tonight, dear God, and have your perfect will tonight, dear God. I just come against any plans of the enemy to keep this message from going forth in the mighty matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, get ready, get ready. I hope you're hungry for a a powerful anointed word. God has really gifted my brother, Matthew, in sharing the word and The way he brings forth a message is just so amazing. I know it's going to bless you. So we're going to kick off with some worship. And after the worship songs, I will be sharing his message, brothers and sisters. And I know you're going to be blessed by it. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight. And may what we do just continue to bless you, to season you, and to prepare you for the soon and coming King. Hallelujah.
Because what? Because the times call for it. I talked about a message called an urgent gospel last time. I talked about how there's no time to waste today, and there'll be no time to waste tomorrow if you have tomorrow. God never promises you tomorrow; He only promises you today. How many know that God says your life is but dust, and it's fleeting, right? We are to have no confidence in tomorrow. Tomorrow may not be there for some of us. We don't know what God's will is sometimes. He can take you in a blink of an eye. And, if we're, and the urgency of the gospel is in many things. The urgency of the gospel is in salvation. The urgency of the gospel is in the preaching of the gospel. The urgency of the gospel is in, is in, the, uh, the, uh, is in our lives, the preparation of our lives for His return so that we're ready. It's not, a, one, it's not something you can prepare for today so that when He comes tomorrow, you can be ready. You can't get fully prepared in one day. With God, one day is as a thousand years. So have God, one day is as a thousand years to Him. How many days do you think it will take you to get ready? Just asking. It's not going to happen overnight, friend. You can't take one night of prayer and fasting and expect, oh, God's coming to me today, I'm ready. Are you? doesn't work like that, friend. When you come into full and, and, and uh, whole relationship with God, it, it's an entire process that you have to walk out from start to finish. There's no, I can make it halfway and be all right. You can't make it halfway and be all right. You can't stop halfway, friend. Paul didn't say, I ran the race. I finished the race for nothing. He said it because he had done so. He had walked out the process. He had fulfilled the Lord's call in his life. He had walked out his will for his life. And he had finally come to a place where he said, and where he had confidence in his relationship with the Lord, that he said, I've done all he's called me to do. And I'm ready to go home. That's why Paul said that. So it's not a one-time thing. I'm not ready, I can't be ready today. I, I am ready Throughout, I get ready throughout my walk. So I talked about the urgency of the gospel last time, and this time I want to. I want to. Uh, the Lord really spoke to me strongly, even last week when I thought I was coming last Sunday. About sharing with you today, Matthew chapter twenty-five. Open your Bibles if you have them, or if you have a Bible on your phone. Um, 
find Matthew 25, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 13. This is the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. How many know the parable? Everyone has read it here, I assume? So it's 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 a story that should cause you or should deepen your fear of the Lord. It's not something that is, it's not a nice story. It's one that should cause a stirring in your spirit. Because when Jesus told a parable, he wasn't just telling a bedtime story, right? These are people like you and me, these virgins. These are people like you and me. Five of them were getting ready, and five of them were not. That's, that's the parable in a, in a nutshell. Five of them were getting ready, busy getting ready. Five of them were not. How many of you here have been or are married today? How many, how many would say that when you got married in your church, that when you saw when you, as, oh, men or women... But as a man, let's say, to start with, when you stood on the platform awaiting the arrival of your bride, how many men can say she was startlingly beautiful? How many can say that when I saw my bride, I suddenly just felt this overwhelming sense of joy? How many women can say that when I walked down the aisle and I got to the platform and I stood there with my husband-to-be, there was no other feeling like it? It was just... It was, wasn't it, didn't you find some kind of excitement out of that? No. Yeah, you did. Well, think about, think about this. The church is the bride. He's our bridegroom, and he's coming back. I think the bridegroom, I think the bridegroom, our Lord, would rather come back for a bride that looks the way you looked when your husband walked down the aisle, and not the way we think the bride should look. He expects the bride to look the way this book describes the bride. The bride's going to look, right? Our appearance when he comes should match the appearance of the bride in Scripture. That not everybody might that not everybody may make it. That's what it tells us. There are five, I'm going to read the I'm going to read the parable to you, starting at verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. 
But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. If there's a part that is going to be emphasized throughout my message, it will be from verses 6 to 13. So pay attention to this. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves there. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. That's why I talked about the urgency of the Gospel last week, or or a month ago, three months ago now. It's because we know not the day nor the hour that He's coming back. How can, you be, how can you know the day or the hour and wait and wait and wait and wait to get ready for His return when God said to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 that it's not none of your concern to know the day or the hour I am returning when the kingdom of God will come to earth. How can the church wait until the day He's actually returning to be ready? That was the mistake the, the foolish virgins made, friends. That was the mistake the foolish virgins made. They waited too long. They procrastinated. They were distracted by different things. How many here wants to be a foolish virgin? I really pray I don't see any hands. I'm not seeing any hands. I don't want to be a foolish virgin. I put my hand up only to see if, just to, you know, as a a witness, but I don't want to be a foolish virgin. And my heart is that I don't want the church to be a foolish virgin. I want the church to be wise virgins. I don't want to see the door shut on anybody in this room. I'd hate that to happen to anyone, close friend or not. They're all, you're all brothers and sisters of mine, and we're told that we're supposed to be our brother's keeper, spurring each other on to good works, Helping, us, helping each other along, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, edifying one another. Because all of us have to get there. God wants all of us to get there. He doesn't want to lock any of you out. He wants to let you all in. That's His heart. See, because in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, we see, we see, in a sense, we see two different types of God's love. We see the tender love of God. And we see the fierce love of God. 
The fierce love of God is that love which says, I closed the door and it's too late, I never knew you. The tender heart of God is, I'm giving you an opportunity to put oil in your lamp so you can get through the door when I open it. That's why in verse number, that's why in verse number um, five, it says, the, but while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. It was a time of grace, friend. A time of opportunity. Giving them time to recognize and to uh, come to a place in their walk with the Lord that they could actually have their lamps full. Hey, I don't normally do this, but I brought... I brought a... I brought a... Prop. You know what I paid for this prop? A dollar. PC points are something fantastic sometimes. I brought, this is a lamp. This is a lantern. When, when the, the scripture, when it's telling the parable here, is speaking of a lamp, a lantern. And in the day that he's talking about their lanterns, this one runs on battery power. You can put batteries in the bottom. But the, the, the lamps that they were talking about in here were not run with batteries. They were run with oil. And the oil, there had to be oil for there to be light in the lamp. There had to be oil. Did you get that? There had to be oil for there to be light in the lamp. And they had to, and even in that day, they even turned the knob on the bottom. The more they turned it, the brighter it got. One way. The other way, the dimmer it got. But it was all based on the amount of oil in the lamp. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. How can he say you're the light of the world? This is you. This is you. This is the picture of your body. This is a picture of your life. What you put into God is what you get out of God. And in this lamp is where the oil you get out of God goes so that you can be the light of the world. Does that make sense? The more you give to God, the more He gives back to you. If we're not willing to give everything to God, we don't get everything back. It's a picture of your life. I can't be the light of the world unless there's oil in my lamp. Oil in my lamp. So, the oil is where I want to stop and, and focus on because the oil is what's really important here. This is no good unless it has oil in it. I am no good. I cannot be the light of the world unless I have oil in it. The oil's the emphasis of the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. The oil's the emphasis. By the way, I am asking the Lord to lead me because I'm going to give this away. (laughs) 
I don't need to keep it. I'm going to give it away to someone today. And it's a rem- it can serve as a reminder to someone in this room that your lamp has to have oil for you to be light of the world. So the oil, there are, see, in this parable, the scripture only, only talks about oil. It's kind of a singular verb, a singular noun, it's a thing. But there might be different um, interpretations for that oil or different applications for us as a, as a people, as a church, under, trying to understand the parable. So I want to give you a couple of different applications for the oil in your own personal life. Each application that I give you for the oil can be flipped opposite. So if the application for the oil, it can apply to the wise virgin or it may apply or not apply to the foolish virgin. First oil, and you can take notes if you like, is the oil of intimacy. The oil of intimacy. All ten virgins took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. All ten. So all ten, you can say, all ten had some form of intimacy with him. But that's not where the rubber met the road. The purpose that Jesus came to establish when he died on the cross and he rose again and he sent his Holy Spirit was so that each of us could have living, personal, real relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Am I correct? So if we're to have that kind of a personal relationship with God and with His Son and with His Spirit, and He gave us that opportunity, how come, how come sometimes it seems like it's wasted? Not saying that anybody in this room wastes the opportunity to talk to God or to seek God. But sometimes people, we, we, there are, sometimes we, 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 we make the confession. We make the confession, but there's nothing, there's no pursuit afterwards. It's just a confession. See, a real and, and, and honest and, 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 and a humble heart not only makes the confession, they, take, they walk out of where they made the confession and they pursue the one they make the confession of. They build relationship. They start to fill their lamp. They start to fill their lamp with the oil of intimacy. The only way you can have the oil of intimacy is if you're first intimate with Jesus. The only way you can have the oil of intimacy is if your prayer life is strong. 
The only way you can have the oil of intimacy is if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're your walk in the Word is strong, if you're reading the Word every day. Maybe you, maybe you're a person who likes to fast. That'll add your, that'll, that'll add the oil of intimacy to your life. Every, everything you do in your relationship with God adds the oil of intimacy to your life. But if you read a little further, it says, "But the wise took no oil." No, sorry, not the wise. Pardon me. But it says the foolish took no oil. Took no oil. How was it that they could possibly take no oil? How? Weren't the foolish ones that confessed as well? Weren't foolish ones that said, Yes, Lord, yes, Jesus, you're my Savior? Weren't they the ones who came to church every Sunday? Weren't they the ones that sat in the same chairs you're sitting? But they had no oil when the bridegroom came. They did not, they failed. See, the, the, error of the, the error of the foolish virgins was that they did not establish the secret place. Do you know what I mean by the secret place? Jesus talked about it. He said, whatever you do, do in secret. So there's a place we, we establish with God, in our relationship with God, where we go and we spend our own personal time. It's just between you and Him. Right? That's a privilege. That's a gift. If it wasn't for Jesus, you couldn't have that. Right? You couldn't have that gift of a secret place with God where you commune with Him one-on-one. Face-to-face. That's panim is the Hebrew word. Panim to panim. If it wasn't for Him, you couldn't have that. They failed to establish the secret place. They failed to get alone with God. They failed to hear God for themselves. They failed to read. They failed to understand what this word was saying. They failed to pray. Establish the secret place in your life, friend. Establish it. Make a daily habit. It doesn't matter how long you're there, just as long as you get there. Right? doesn't matter how long. Some of us are at different places in our walk with God, right? Some of us are in places where maybe we, can, oh, maybe we only have the time or the energy to spend, you know, 15 minutes in that secret place. That's okay. God's good with that. Some of us are a little further along in our walk with God, so we have a little bit more energy and we can spend an hour with Him by ourselves. There are those in the world, too, in the Christianity today, who probably spend two, three, four hours in the secret place. Maybe not all at once, but they do spend two, three, four hours, maybe a day, just seeking the Lord. 
It's not about the time you spend doing it. It's about the effort you make to do it. But the time you spend doing it is what will put the effort and the time combined is what will put that oil of intimacy in your lamp. It will make it'll give you oil for the light. Oil to cause the light to shine. Does this make sense, everybody? Am I telling you the truth today? The second oil is the oil of witness. The oil of witness. Verses 7 through 8. He sa- it says, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The oil of witness. Witness implies commitment. Witness implies commitment. That means that I have not just received Jesus as Savior. I also live as though He's Lord. That would be what a wise virgin does. They not only receive Jesus as Savior, they live as though He is Lord. So if I have received Jesus as Savior and I want to live as though He is Lord, that means that I have to be doing, I have to be doing something that, is, that He's telling me to do. I have to be obedient. Obedience is the key to witness. Because it's not in... Faith is not in just believing. Faith is not just believing, right? Faith is also action. Action. That's where the obedience comes. Paul James said you can't have faith without works. You can't have faith without works. It's not just it's not just, it's not enough to just believe. You have to have faith that produces works. So the wise virgins had faith that produced works. They had faith that produced works. And those works, being obedient and doing those things that God had called them to do, that God had placed on their hearts, that, that, that aligned with the heavenly purpose for their life, is what also put oil in their lamp. When I look up the word oil in, in, uh, in, the, in the Greek, I don't remember the word it is, but it actually is uh, olive oil. Olive oil. And olive oil was a very, very priceless thing in those days. It was probably as priceless or as of more value, as of as much value as wine. And the way that they, the way that you that that uh, you got oil from olives was it went through a press, and the and the press. Push, uh, press the olives, push them all together, and from the pressing of the olives, oil came in and filled the, you know, the cistern or the jars or whatever it is they put the oil in. That's obedience in your life, friend. Oil is your press. Pardon me. Obedience is your press. That's the press. 
that will make oil from your olive. Because olive in Christ. Obedience is what will make oil for your lamp. They made wine by crushing grapes. But God makes oil by crushing olives. You guys use olive oil in your cooking? You can buy it in the bottle easily at the stores. It says here that the, the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. I find that a really hard question to ask somebody. John, if the day came and the bridegroom was returning and I came to you and said, give me some of the oil from your lamp for I am running out, how would you answer that? You can't. Why? Friend, your faith does not depend on somebody else's salvation. Your faith does not depend on somebody else's works. Your faith does not depend on somebody else's confession. Your faith depends on your own confession. Your faith depends on your personal walk with God. It's up to you to crush your own olives. It's up to you to create your own... It's up to you to, to in your relationship with God, to, to crush those olives and put that oil in your lamp. No one's going to do it for you. That's why, the, that's why the wise virgins, their response to him was, go and buy some oil from the vendors over there. There's not even the wise virgins could spare enough oil to get those foolish virgins through the door. That's a hard point, eh? That's a hard point for me. Because every time I make a point like that, I have to go back and look at my own life and say, am I there? Am I at the place where I can, rel- I, can, I can confidently say there's enough oil in my lamp that I'll get through the door. Because I don't want to be caught. And there's a phrase. I don't want to be caught with my pants down. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared. I want you to be prepared. I don't come here, um, folks, with the intention of smacking you over the head with the Word of God. I don't. And the way I preach, you might think that's my intention. (laughs) It's not. I come here and preach the way I do because I love Jesus. And I love Jesus in you. And I want to see Jesus in you be the greatest He can be to everybody out there. I don't want to see anybody in lack. I want to see everybody in fullness. Living the way God called them to live. I don't know what it is, friend, but sometimes I think 
Sometimes I, see, I look around and I see and I watch. And it seems like the church is content to live in lack. To live in lack when God's got more and more and more and more and more for us. How many know God has more for you? If you don't believe God has more for you, why did Jesus say, I came to give life and life more abundantly? If Jesus didn't have more, his disciples wouldn't have had to wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit. If Jesus didn't have more, we wouldn't go through series seasons of waiting. But we don't wait we don't wait on God because his promises are empty. We wait on God because his promises are true. Amen. He has more for you. More. I don't care what age you are in the room. I don't care what I mean, I don't know where you've walked in life. But God always has more for you. Don't be content to live in a place where where you, you just live in a place of lack. You're not going forward. You're kind of stagnant. Don't be content to live there. Move. Move. Walk. Run. Chase. Abandonly. Abandon what you knew before and start pursuing what's new ahead. There's always more. God's always looking to move you forward, but if you won't move forward, where are you going to go? You're either going to stay in the spot you were or going to go backwards. Right? I want you guys to move forward. Forward. Obedience produces oil. That oil, that obedience, is because they have the oil of intimacy first. They know the Lord. They love the Lord. They abandon everything else in their life for the Lord. So the oil of intimacy goes ties directly right into the oil that the oil of witness. Because though I have intimacy, I can be a witness. Then there's another part to verse seven. That's the third oil. That's the oil of consecration. Verse seven says that they says that they uh, arose and trim their lamps. I don't exactly understand what um, trimmed their lamps means. I did look it up, actually. It's actually the same word that is used for consecration or sanctification. So, if that's what trim their lamps means, what I say before about this body. This body's a lamp. 
It has to be trimmed. There has to be some form of preparation going on in this body for me to be ready for when the bridegroom comes. Because you know what, friend? We don't know when that midnight cry is going to be heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming! What if it happens this afternoon? What if it happens in bed? (laughs) While you're trying to sleep. What a wake-up call that would be, wouldn't it? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, it'll come. Behold, the bridegroom is coming! And the next question that will go through your head is, or the next thing that will go through your head is, either I'm ready or I'm not ready. There won't be a question. Because when the midnight cry is heard, you're going to know. You're going to know. So we have to prepare our hearts for His return. We have to prepare our hearts for the bridegroom's return. We have to make a point of saying, of cleaning out every corner of all the dust and the dirt and the filth and the grime and the, and the sledge and the muck and the mold. And ask God to do it by the cleansing power of His blood. And ask God to do it by, the, by His delivering hand. It's not enough to repent of sin one time, friend. You have to do it on a daily or semi a daily basis. It should be a spiritual discipline. Why it's not mentioned as a spiritual discipline from all these great and wonderful teachers, I don't know. We emphasize three spiritual disciplines normally. Read the Bible, pray, and fast. I want to add a number four. Repent. Repent. Clear your heart. Trim your lamp. Consecrate yourself. When Joshua... Do you ever heard of the story of the sin of Achan in Joshua? They had just finished winning a battle and this particular fellow named Achan, he stole some of the spoil and hid it in his tent. And the Lord had specifically given them an instruction. Don't take the spoil. And his sin was uncovered. He was found out. It was found in his tent, this, this, stolen, this stolen spoil. Joshua probably had to do what Moses did and went and prayed for his people. I don't remember the whole story and how every detail of the story, but basically what happens is God ends up speaking to Joshua sometime later and says and tells him three words Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. That's what the virgins arose to do. Trim their lamp. Trim their lamps. Consecrate themselves for tomorrow. And then, while doing that, the foolish virgins found out they had not enough oil.
arose and trimmed their lamps. And immediately, the first thing that happens after that is verse 8, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. They went to get prepared, and they realized they couldn't do it. It's too late. That's why the urgency I talked about last time is so important, friend. It's not, it's not, we're not here to, we're not here to play la-di-da in the spirit. We're here to get ready. This is just a temporary dwelling, friend. You're only a sojourner on this earth. This is not your permanent residence. You're going to a different place. Jesus said, I went to prepare a, I go to prepare a place for you. That's where you're going. That will be your permanent residence. Not here. Not here. Don't live as though this is your permanent residence. It's not. It's a temporary dwelling. You're only a sojourner in this land, not a citizen. Then there's a fourth oil. And we go down... See, before I go there, actually, look at verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to be with, in the, to be, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. While, the, while they were trying to buy lamp, oil for their lamps, the door was shut. The bridegroom came, and they got there too late. What's that tell you? What's the truth in that? The truth is this. If we are preoccupied with this world now, we will be preoccupied when He comes. We need to align ourselves with the occupation of heaven and leave behind the preoccupation of the world. If you've got to go find oil from somewhere else, you have to go and, and hurriedly get something for a very important day. What would happen if you didn't give your bride your what would happen, man, if you didn't give your bride your the ring when you proposed to them and you went to the wedding without the ring? Do you have time to run out to the store and get a wedding ring? I don't think so. The wedding's happening right then. Right now. She's walking down that aisle and she's expecting you to have a ring in your hand and to be able to put it on her finger. I don't have it. I don't have time to go to the store and get a wedding ring. It's got to be on my person now. I don't have time to go and buy oil. I've got to have it now. I've got to have it when he comes. I've got to have it when he arrives and he says, The bridegroom is coming! Oil is for today, not for tomorrow. The oil of intimacy, the oil of witness, the oil of consecration is all for today. And then there's the oil of watchfulness. Watchfulness. 
And this is just one verse. Verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. It seems like sometimes we live as though he's not going to return. It's like we've lost the, uh, the fear of the Lord for the second coming. And yet, the Bible's littered with it. It's littered with verses that reference the coming back of the Lord, the return of the Lord. Did you know there are over 150, 150 verses between from beginning to end that reference or in some way discuss the return of the Lord? 150 verses. More than that. And somehow, when we're reading our Bibles, we're missing this. We're missing this. Proverbs exhorts us that we're to, we're to buy, gain by wisdom and get understanding. But we hold no wisdom if we don't understand that he's coming back. We hold no understanding if we don't understand that we, that we serve a king that's returning for a world and an earth that's rightly his, that belongs to him. It was only given to Satan for a time. And it's slowly and slowly and slowly, and it's, pardon me, it is, he is losing ownership of this world faster than I can count. Because the king's return is getting closer and closer and closer. So we have to be watching. We have to be praying. We have to be understanding and watching, not just watching as far as looking at the sky and saying, and singing, you know, these are the days of Elijah, which is a great song. I love it. But watching, I mean, not just watching for his return, for the sky to open and the cloud be rolled back as a scroll, but, I mean, watching, watching the headlines in the news. Did you see one that, there's one that struck me just the other day. I saw it on my phone. It said, it said that, the Can- that Canada, the UK, and the US are all accusing Russia of some type of scandal involving a COVID-19 vaccine. I just saw that in the news. That's what I'm talking about. Because Jesus in Matthew 24 said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Watch. Watch the news. The news isn't good news, but it's very important for you to, to understand what's going on now, today, so that you're prepared for what might happen tomorrow.
Be alert. Be awake. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 is a fantastic verse I found, and it absolutely ties in with uh, Matthew 25. It says this. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Say, not as fools. Oh, come on, everybody. Not as fools. That's right. Not as fools, but as wise. Say that. But as wise. Put your hand on your heart. Say, but as wise. Say, I'm a wise virgin. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. It's watchfulness, friend. Redeeming the time, putting oil in your lamp, acquiring the oil of intimacy, being a witness, consecrating yourself. Redeem the time, friend. The times are evil, and the time is short. He's not going to put more time in the bucket. It's only going to keep draining. It's only going to keep draining. Time is just going to get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Essentially, these four points sum up to one thing. That the mark of a foolish virgin, not saying you're foolish, just saying, the mark of a foolish virgin is only knowing Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. Only knowing Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. When Jesus found the disciples standing by the lake, of, by the Sea of Galilee fishing, and he called Peter for the first time, and Peter dropped his fishing net and went and followed him, he was, not only, he was already acknowledging him as, Lord, as a Lord. He hadn't even died yet. He hadn't even risen yet. He hadn't even been scourged, beaten, bruised, spat on, whipped. He first acknowledged him as Lord and then realized later on that he was the Savior. Have you acknowledged him as Lord yet in your life? Does he, does he have full control? Is he Lord of everything? Is he Lord of your finances? Is he Lord of, your, of where you go and what you do? Is he Lord of your destiny? Is he Lord? Of, is, he, is he Lord? Does he have full control of your life? Have you given everything over to him? Or do you only know him as Savior? Do you only know him as the one who, who died for you and gave his life for you? Do you only know his salvation? See, friend, someone who only knows the salvation of the, uh, the, the salvation, some people only come to Jesus for salvation. That's all they come for. They don't even bother with the Lord part. The Lord part is completely absent for some people. 
can't afford to be absent in anybody, in any Christian life. He's either Lord in your life or He's not Lord in your life. Simple as that. And the foolish virgins didn't know Him as Lord. Because they chose, they chose not to be ready. The bro- well, your bride, man, recognized you as her bridegroom and properly prepared and planned to be at that altar with you. We as the bride of Christ need to prepare and plan and, proper and, and do our part to be ready for our bridegroom's return. Because we're being called to meet Him at the altar. We're being called to meet Him at the altar. One day we're going to stand at an altar in heaven and we're going to and we're going to marry this Jesus. We're going to stand there with him and it'll be like it was on your wedding day, face to face, panim to panim. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Didn't say Every, t- every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Savior. Only. That's a vow and an oath. Did your knee bow? Did your tongue confess that Jesus is Lord? The obedience, the obedience, the oil of witness is the key is the key thing. That's what determines if he's actually Lord in your life or not. Is if you're being obedient to him. Or if you just received Jesus as Savior one day and continue to live out your life like you did before you received him. Praise God, praise God. What a wonderful and powerful, much needed message that my dear brother shared with us tonight. My hope is you truly have an understanding and what Matthew's talking about, the urgency that we be found ready when the bridegroom returns for his bride, and that we have that excitement anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. We should be praying for his return and diligently seeking him and sharing the gospel to others so they too can be found ready. And that's what Matthew was trying to prepare us for in this message tonight. Brothers and sisters, I really pray that you are found ready. I truly hope that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And for all of us that are believers, I pray that our oil is renewed and filled and that we daily, we keep our oil filled, that we can be a light shining into the darkness, brothers and sisters. I felt such an anointing on this message and it blessed me so much. And I thank Brother Matthew for allowing me to share it here on Reaching Out Radio International. And tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I would really like to lead you in just a simple prayer. But you really have to search your heart. This really has to mean something to you, not just words spoken, but truly that you want Jesus to be your Savior, that you want to start a new relationship with Jesus Christ and God our Father. And if that's where you find yourself tonight after the worship and the Word, and you're wanting that anointing, you're wanting that oil, 
then please just pray with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight and ask for forgiveness of my sins. I repent and I want to get my sins under the blood. Father God, I just ask that you forgive me, dear God, and that you cleanse me whiter than snow, Father. I want to apply the blood of Jesus to my life. Today, Jesus, I ask you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Father God, just let me be a new creation that you mold and make. May I be found ready at the return of Jesus. I want to give my life to you. Today I surrender it all unto you, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Glory to God. If you receive Jesus tonight, we would love to hear your testimony. You're always welcome on the air to share. Anytime you have comments or prayer requests or you you want to be on to share a message or you're an author or an artist that want to be on, please just reach out to me, Evangelist Montel Fields. Send me an email to reachingoutradio at hotmail.com. Again, that's reachingoutradio at hotmail.com. God bless you all. I truly believe that this message tonight was a blessing to so many. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity, God, to, to share such a powerful message, God. Lord, Father, God, bless my brother Matthew and his family, dear God, and the work that you've called him to for the kingdom, God. Giving provision for his vision, God. Lord, giving more anointed messages, God, because people need to hear the true message of the cross, the true gospel. Father, God, there's so many that sugarcoat and their God, the word and their messages, God. But let truth be heard, God. That's what I want to share here on Reaching Out Radio International, God. Lord, I want all these broadcasts to glorify you and to honor you and your son. Lord, Father, God, you are such a good God. And I just exalt your name and I honor you. Father God, I just pray for the anointing to go out over all these broadcasts, God. Lord, I can just keep seeing the fire and the sparks going forth, dear God, into all the world, God. Lord, just let them land, dear God, and let there be a revival fire that falls from every corner of every nation. I glorify you, Father God. I love you and I honor you. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. May God be with you in all you do over this weekend. Please take time to spend with your family. Take time to see the sunset or the sunrise. Watch some birds fly. Stop and smell the roses. But most of all, take time to spend with your father. He inhabits time with his children. And he loves our praise. Begin your day thanking him for life of another day. For each gift, or each day is truly a gift. Just keep on keeping. Don't back down when God is backing you up. Remember that you are of great worth. Created for a purpose and a plan. And God our Father loves you. There is so much hope in him. No matter what you've done or where you've come from. When you receive Jesus in your life and turn to God our Father. You become a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. So my hope is tonight that all of you that's been lost in the dark. And all of us that are believers, we can be lights that are shining for the glory of God. God bless you all. Have a blessed night. And 
Keep checking in with us tomorrow night. Jennifer Butler is going to be on here with Lisey Jones. Some amazing guests on tomorrow night on Pioneering Ministries. And next week on Tuesday, Mark Bird of the Living Faith Quartet is going to be on here with me. I'm so excited in what God is doing. Just bringing some amazing people on to share the gospel and their talents. All glory unto God. I love you all, but know that God loves you more. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. And we're going to shut down and end the program with a song I love by Addison Road called This Little Light of Mine. Hey